welcome to episode 28 of Everyone is Everything. Today's episode is with Jacqueline Dobrinska. She is the Director of Education, Community, and Inclusion for Ramdas Love, Serve, Remember Foundation. Um, she's got a huge background, which it's going to be on the show notes. So if you, if you want to read more in depth, you can. Um, but this interview is really awesome. It was just fun and comfortable. And I went into it with almost no notes. And I just had a feeling that we were going to get along. And we did, which is not surprising. Another Ram Das leaning episode, which are always some of my favorites. But before we get to Jacqueline, um, we're going to talk to my niece, Cherry, for a minute and see what she has to say. Do you want to record a podcast? Um, yeah. Okay. The podcast is called Everyone is Everything. <laughs> no, on your computer. What should we, what should we name the podcast? Um, me. Name it Cherry? Yep. The Cherry Podcast? Yep. Um, are we going to talk about, what are we going to talk about? Um, I don't know. We need a guest. We need a guest? Yeah, before we turn it on. What guest? No. Before we turn it on. Okay. So, what is your favorite thing in the world? Um, a kitty cat. A kitty cat? Why a kitty cat? Um, people pet them, and sometimes cats say meow and piss. They purr and they say meow. And they're soft? Yeah, because people pet them. Should we be nice to cats? Yeah. Should we be nice to everybody? Why should we be nice to everybody? Because everybody loves people. I agree. So, do you want to talk about anything? No. What's the best thing in the world? <laughs> Me. You? Yeah. Oh, why is that? <laughs> because, because I love my family. That's a good answer. Do you? What else do you love? Um, I love cats. Yeah? Yeah. We know. That's a cool thing. Everyone loves cats. But my dad has dogs. Oh. Oh, that's okay. But did you know Mimi had cats? I do know Mimi has a cat. Her name is Daisy. Oh, okay. Is she pretty? Yeah. She has white fit and black fit. Oh, that's a good mix. I didn't know what to do before she says meow. What'd she do? Pet her. Oh, you pet her, then she says meow? Yeah. What does it mean when she meows? Um, that means she loves me. Ah, that's nice. I didn't know what else if I look at her. She scratched me and I don't know why. Oh, maybe it was an accident. Accident? Yeah. Probably just an accident. Yeah, I know. So what do I have all over my walls? Um, stuff. Pictures? Yep. Do I have a lot of pictures? Yeah. One behind your pictures is a pretty one. What's the prettiest one? Um, the one with stars. Those stars? You like the stars? Yeah. Why do you like the stars? Because they're beautiful. Do you think the space is beautiful? Yeah. Do you know we live in space? I asked that. 
an astronaut? Yeah. Yeah. You know that Earth is in space and we live on Earth? So we live in space. We live in space? We're astronauts. Astronauts? Yep. <laughs> we're pretending we're in space. We're pretending we're in space. Yeah. Okay, well, she is out of the room pretending to be an astronaut. So, for those of you who are tired of adorable little girls and want to get into the Ramdas flavored water of the conversation today, enjoy Jacqueline Dabrinska. now we're allowed to have in a conversation because right. if no one else hears what's what are we doing right? what are we doing I mean, well we're still we having doing? a conversation right exactly <laughs> so well and it's interesting because uh we just you know over the last 15 seconds said that we don't know exactly what we're about to talk about um and it's funny because i had a few other podcasts i've recorded in the last few days right and you're like the bookend like you're the mm-hmm. end one right um so i you know with everybody else, I had a lot of notes and I had everything. And then for some reason in my head, I was like, I think this one's going to be fine. Great. Like there was something (laughs) something in my head and I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know, but I think this is going to be fine. And, uh, and I don't know too much about you really, you know, um, aside from where you work and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, your Instagram. Mm, so which is uh, not much. I don't put a lot on Instagram. You know what? It's funny because a lot of times if I, even if I want to last minute, get a few ideas for a guest, I pop open their social media and it's like, it's endless information. And I can just like pull, I'm like, Oh, here's something, here's something, here's something. Not you. (laughs) (laughs) Like You're like, I went into the wilderness. Here's some of my cool friends. And that's it. I'm like, I don't know. I can't ask you this question. So it was, uh, it was kind of funny because this whole, t- cause I kind of went into right before it. I was like, Oh no, I should have come up with stuff. And then I looked right. and I was like, never, that, no, we're in for it. We're that, just going to jump that in. That didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, nonetheless. Um, so how are you feeling? How's it going? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, I appreciate you being on, um, and taking the time to do it. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to be here. Cool. Um, and so we, we mentioned where you work, obviously, um, you work with the Ram Dass Love Server Member Foundation, which is um, how I found you. Um, But, you know, I I figure maybe we'll just start with kind of your journey. Like, how did you get there? Because, I mean, you don't wake up knowing Ram Dass. And so, like, what what was your journey like? Because I feel like a lot of times we always find these mirrors and ours. Yeah. Um, You know, it's so interesting to talk about your one's journey because, Mm -hmm. like, you don't, we typically don't know like what leads to what until we look backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and, and one thing seems to always lead into the next. Um, so I think the biggest shift where I'll start is, um, oh my gosh, 15 years ago, I went to live in an ashram. I had been studying yoga, loved it. It changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, and I was studying with uh, a teacher and he went up to this ashram in Pennsylvania and I went up there for training and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to live here. And so very quickly, like within a month, I had like sold my house and broken up with my boyfriend and like quit my job and gone Holy to live in this ashram. Um, 
And it was really lovely. And I learned so much and it was, you know, um, a lot of the deep yoga practices, um, lots of meditation, lots of chanting, lots of, uh, asana and, um, studying of scriptures and, and, uh, I, you know, in that tradition, I very much felt like I was remembering more than I was learning. Um, and then when I left, uh, about a year later, someone gave me this little picture of this Indian guy in a blanket. And he said, keep this in your car. It'll keep you safe. I was like, great. Um, so I left the ashram and I went to Spain and I, um, travel, I did the Camino de Santiago. Right. And so I had, I had never grown up with any sort of Christian background. Um, but I really found myself drawn to, to the mystical aspects of, um, Christ and Mary. Mm -hmm. And it was really surprising to me. Um, and so, you know, I came back and, um, started continuing on my yoga practice and then, um, was going to this little Christian based, like, I would almost say like tantric, like church, it's based mm -hmm. on Ma Matthew Fox's, um, creation spirituality, which really looks at the mystical traditions in addition to earth-based traditions. Um, and so like, I followed that and I followed se several other paths. I was going to Buddhist meditations. Mm -hmm. I was just taking it all in, right? right. The, the hummingbird that drinks from many, many flowers. Uh, Buddhist, I was um, going into some plant medicine work. I was going into um, some deep earth-based women, shamanic um, European traditions. Mm -hmm. So all of that was sort of happening at once. And then eventually, um, I started working at that little church and I became a minister there. So I was their minister. Um, there was our main celebration leader. And then I was the minister that did all of the other stuff, which was the community pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and I was there for seven years. And the um, uh, during that time, I had changed cars and that little picture kept coming with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then someone gave me uh, at some point along that journey, Someone gave me a picture of that guy in an Indian blanket with this guy with a nice long white beard. I would just put them in my wallet. Didn't know who they were. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, in in those like doing the the hummingbird thing, I met. Um, I was doing a lot of chanting as well, and I met some folks. And one of them had this picture of that same guy and on their wall. I was like, "Who is this guy? He's everywhere." Mm -hmm. And it was Neem Curly Baba, of course. Um, and so that's sort of what got me uh, into into Ramdas was just wow. that that serendipity. And then there is the joke that um, so the minister I was I did that for many many years, and then uh, the main minister left, and the church changed a lot, and it was no longer a good fit for me. And so it was just sort of like looking, and uh, you know, lots of serendipitous uh, things happen, and all of a sudden. I was working for Love Serve Remember Foundation and Raghu jokes. He's like, you know, Maharaji has a staffing service. When we mm. need someone, they, they tend to show up. And that's right. sort of how it felt like worked for us. That's I wasn't okay. looking to work there. It was just like um, what I had to give and what they needed at the time really matched up well. And we got into each other's path at the right time. Wow. And what I, I mean, there's so much there to, <laughs> to like to dig into, but what I love, one aspect is that you carried this picture around and didn't like vehemently look for what it was. Like you Who didn't need to person? know, you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, I, people can't stop and not look at their phone to figure out exactly what actor was in that movie or whatever. They can't sit with the unknown at all, Yeah, you know, sit with the mystery of anything. 
let alone carry a picture around for years for years <laughs> and like i don't know what that says about me but no, i don't but, no go ahead this, um you know pete holmes is a big ramdas fan as well right, and right. he has this great sketch and mm-hmm. he um i repeat it all the time because i think it's hilarious just this is like we used to not know things like today mm-hmm. like you don't know something and two seconds later you know it he's right. like but we used to just walk around with like curiosity and not knowing and then right. we'd go and we'd you know instill right. this cure we'd ask other people and it would instill that curiosity in them right. and then one day you know we'd see the person with a t-shirt with the answered and like we'd go over and we ask them the question and they would know and then like they become your wife right right where, <laughs> uh, it was where, where yeah, tom no. petty is from i totally. think is what it was <laughs> right well, i mean but i love that that I, sense I of it. sitting in the mystery um, right right and uh i mean i Definitely, I'm a big Pete Holmes guy, so that probably sunk into my unconscious too. And thank you, Pete Holmes, for that, and thank you, Ramdas, and every like you could see this whole. And it's funny how these these ideas line up with these different people. Like you said, you guys started working together because it it wasn't like you were trying. You didn't have this and be like, "This is my goal." Yeah. But you were still taking steps towards this goal that you didn't even know what it was, yeah. which I feel like is such a powerful like just story to tell because we're all kind of walk we're we're all taking steps whether yeah. or not you you think you are or not and within the spiritual community i feel like we we're trying to actively take steps but um you know i think a lot of times we get stuck on the this ideal goal this thing we think needs to happen you know and here your your story where you ended up where you ended up without knowing i think that's super super powerful yeah, it's that weird, um, like letting go and things often happen in a way where when I try to control, like there's this weird paradox of like doing the footwork, taking the steps, having ideas, listening. I know for that church, like the first day I showed up at that church, I was like, oh, I have a role here. And I knew that deep down, I didn't know what it was or what it was going to look like. Um, and I know when I try to like orchestrate everything it often doesn't end up the way I want it to but when I can just do the next right thing um you know things end up in these brilliant ways um I don't know if others I'm sure lots of you have this experience of like oh my whole life prepared me for this moment I didn't realize it and I probably wouldn't have done all these steps had I known I think that's a common thing the next right thing like such a simple little thing because I mean and that's the thing. I think in our culture, there's like, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? And I always felt like I was like, oh no, don't tell anybody, but I have not even like a 10-minute plan. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But the next right thing is yeah. so good. I'm gonna keep that one in my wallet for years, good. I think. Good. Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting um because you know, as we kind of evolve in in as people, we do, I think, find the different practices help us um take the next right thing that next step and and even recognize even like the synchronicities or the serendipitous moments that you felt um someone who was recently on the podcast called those work orders like and i was like that's so good because it you know similarly it's like you got the application before you even knew you were filling it out to work where you work yeah totally totally um so i'm wondering since you know you said you were you know heavy into yoga went to the ashram did the whole bit i mean mm-hmm. selling the house that's talk mm-hmm. about renunciation i mean that's <laughs> like 
I mean, what else can you do here to, than that, you know, sell your property? Um, so what practices have you found, like, has it changed a lot over the years? Like, and how do you kind of deal with the, the fluidity of practice? Cause I think a lot of times we get, we, you got to do it this way and I'm going to get, I'm going to, and I, I do think there's a benefit to diligence and, and work, but yeah. I, I know since you've been doing it so long, it had to have changed. And how do you kind of navigate that space? Yeah. Um, thank you. I love that question. Um, I came, I think like many people, I come, I came to my spiritual practice from this deficiency model of like, somehow I needed to be fixed. Somehow I wasn't whole somehow I needed. And there was even like aspects of, um, um, like material spiritualism, like I need this thing as my mask of who I am in the world. Um, and so coming from that place, practice was really challenging because it was like this striving, like I had to do, and in the, the school that I originally started with, like it fed that in some ways, there was some perfectionism in it. And there was like, in order to get certified, you had to do 200,000 of a certain mantra, um, a long mantra, you know, so it would take you several years to do it. Um, and so there was this like striving must get to want to get into the inner circles, you know, have almost like a spiritual, um, um, what's the word? Like a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To be, um, elevated in some way through my mm -hmm. spiritual practice and, um, and just a real strictness to it. And eventually through basically being beat up by the world in my own mind, um, I had to let that go. And there was this one moment where I remember I just was like, I just have to go outside and listen to the birds. Like that is my morning practice for a while. I um, mean, so that's what I did. It was, it was actually getting still and getting out of my mind for the first time. Mm -hmm because all that other practice was still very much in my mind. And there was beautiful things that came from it. I had, you right. know, these great awarenesses and there was moments of being so in my heart. And there was these like, you know, almost like those um, otherworldly experiences, but they didn't last. And they were still often being driven by my mind um, and by this deficiency model. And so just going out to listen to the birds started to relax me. And then, you know, it was really Ramdas and his host of friends, Jack and Sharon and um, Mirabai. And it was really the, um, the compassion, like coming back into self-compassion and eventually led me to Pema Chodron. And she had, I love the way that she conceptualizes it is that this middle path of, right? Like sometimes some of us are really strict and spine straight and, um, and we actually need a little bit more softness. And then sometimes you get a little bit like, I'm just going to meditate lying down today. <laughs> mm. You're like, oh, I actually need a little bit more discipline. Right. But the bringing in the, the um, imminent and the transcendent, like the very much, like the brilliance is here in this world. It's in this body. It's in this breath. Um, instead of just trying to get away from all of that. Right. Um, so those started to blend more and more over time. Right. And it's... And it's really, it says a lot, especially regarding the, you know, the strictness versus the, you know, lack of discipline, you could say, um, 
because you know oftentimes you you'll read these books or you'll watch other people and you'll you'll say well am i supposed to, i should be doing it like that you know we we should all over ourselves is what they yes. say you know yes. and it's so easy cuz and you'll slip so quick like the the vertical of that slide is so quick you know to yeah. where all of a sudden you're crashed at the bottom and you didn't do it right so now either you know i'm i'm bad that comes up <laughs> yeah right and if I'm bad or now I'm, I'm lying to everybody, you know, yeah. because now I've been, you know, I, I say this, I talk about practices, but I messed up. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm never doing it right. And maybe I should quit, you know, maybe it's all, right. and then you're just like, let's just throw it all away. Right. Um, you know, and that, you know, and being surrounded by teachers like you have, and, you know, now we have access to all those same people you mentioned just yeah. through the internet. Um, do you find that teachers have been uh, beneficial in kind of in supporting with it? Cause they, you mentioned different people who have different ideas and different experiences. Yeah. So now you have to kind of like put together your own, you know, version of practice. And I, I do love that the birds count for yeah. you too, but it's almost mm -hmm. the intention behind it too. So it's like, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about having more about having those teachers and um, even, you know, what kind of different things they infused into your practice. Yeah. I'm so grateful for all of those people who have done so much practice and sort of have this sense that they sort of pre-digested it for me and then just been like, here you go. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay. You're just a baby bird. Yeah, totally. They baby birded it. Um, and I don't know. Um, so there's this like deep gratitude and um, humility and wow, kind of, sort of an awe and wonder of like, how was I lucky enough? Cause it's such a privilege to be able to sit down and meditate and to have these practices um, and have space and time to do them. And I think we forget that, like it becomes this another should I'm supposed to do this thing. It's like, whoa, I have this incredible privilege to be able to do this and to have access to these things. Um, and I also have that like inner rebel who's like, you can't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I mean, yeah. I have some of my first teachers, I'm so sorry. Like I projected so much stuff onto them. Mm -hmm. of like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to figure it out on my own. Right. Like, go for it. Enjoy. You know? yeah. um, and each, each teacher has brought really incredible gifts. Um, and I, as I think teachers do, um, and we move on our path and we need new different things. We, we have, like have a new sense of awareness um, or we're more available for certain teachings at certain points in our path. And that's when those teachers show up. Um, right. And I do um, really recognize the benefit of digging one well deep, Be, especially for those of us who are like, oh, I'm hitting up against something that's uncomfortable. Let me just go do something else. And so for me, there's this little bit of a balance of, and really like a self-inquiry of like, am I leaving because I'm hitting up against my inner rebel or something that's uncomfortable, or am I just opening to what's next? And so that part you said about having some discipline of like, I'm going to show up even when I don't want to, um, but also having enough, this balance of allowing for the right things to come. Right. I, I think mean, that like we, and that's where getting in touch with that inner knowing um, and it was Ramda says like, and then we, we think it's an inner knowing we fall on our face. We're like, Oh, nope, not quite. And that's right. part of the process of learning. 
right being wrong like yeah. being and allowing yourself to to do that and and you know kind of not knowing yeah, yeah. i think like being taking the steps but not knowing i think is huge and it's it's cool to hear that too because sometimes you know i'll get into a thing you know and i'll have you know you know i get very like i said i like to dig like you said i, I like that well to be deep i'm like well this is my and then I come up with the problem and then I hear other people be like, well, I'm not like that. And I'll be like, well, th- in my head, that means I'm wrong. That means oh. you're saying I'm, you know, like, I feel that is like a conflict, you know, because now yeah. I feel like, oh no. And, but like you just said, these are these little moments. Like if you're, am I, am I confronting this? Why am I feeling this? Am I, you know, why do I feel like I have to have the right, the right one, even though intellectually, I know that there's no right for everyone but physically my body doesn't know that, you know? And so when I hear you say that, you know, knowing when to, you know, move on to something else, let's say, like if you're practicing one thing and then, you know, am I getting out of it because I'm, you know, hitting some conflict or some fear or some like truth about myself that I'm not ready for versus something else is opening up. I think learning how to recognize that, like you said, is such a hard thing but it does seem like it happens in our bodies a lot of the time. Have you found that like different ways of kind of nailing down your intuition a little bit better? Like, I know it's not going to be a, no one has a hundred percent accuracy, but. Well, I, you know, there, a lot of it is in the body, the somatic aspect of what's yes and what's a no, like the body keeps the score, the body knows to some degree. Um, and so touching in with that, um, and there's this uh, this nuance of being able to sit with the uncomfortable, right? I think in our culture, we're taught from a very early age about striving for pleasure, striving for comfort, striving um, for ease. Uh, and And then at the same time, there's this little bit of like, yes, but it's supposed to be hard, right? Like if you if, if you earn something, it's supposed to be hard. And so those play in our psyches as we sit with our practice, right? Of like, I don't want the aversion to the difficult things. And also like the weird um, masochistic, almost like if, if, it's, if it's worth anything, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. And so how do we nuance that place of, of sitting with what's uncomfortable to see what's really a lot, what's really going on, but not being just not just wallowing in the, the pain because it's some sort of um, badge of honor. Right. And, and so I, there's this like titrating that we need to learn. And this comes from somatic practices, right? Like, how do you titrate of like, okay, this is, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to be able to sit with it until like something takes over that I can no longer work with it. And then I'm going to go away from it Mm -hmm. um, until I can come back to it and work with it again. Does that make sense? It's not quite your, your question. No, no. I mean, no, I totally, I mean, it's, it's, it's good because it also gives room for, for stepping back and stepping back in, yeah. you know, not, there's not some final decision where like, mm-hmm. okay, I put down my Ram Dass books and stopped listening to him and started listening to this. And now I made a decision. I guess I'm not a Ram Dass guy anymore. You know what I mean? Like, right. It doesn't it, have to be so black and white. It, right. Especially yeah. within this stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, th- there's other human elements that, you know, human experiences rather that, that might be a little bit more black and white walking out of your job or a relationship. And, you know, these are also significant things, but within this world, I think aside from very strict practice, if you're, 
you know, with a teacher that has some strict practices, maybe you won't be able to walk back in. But in many cases, I feel like it's a lot more strict in our heads. You know what I mean? It's a lot of, that's a lot of our training. And even like Ramdas, he, there's some great lectures where he would talk about, you know, he would do the Buddhist practices, very like developing his mindfulness. And then eventually something would happen in him. And later he's like, it wasn't the practice. It was something in me where they'd start to feel hard and dry. And then I'd go to my bhakti practices and I'd open mm. my heart and I'd get really juicy. And then I'd right. be able to go back to my, my Buddhist practices and I'd bring more heart back to my Buddhist practices. Wow. But he said he couldn't, the, the Buddhist practices of mindfulness and discernment helped him actually be able to stay with the bhakti practices. So again, like the both, we get so caught in either or. And to really like hold paradox in both and um, is an Im important piece. Right. I mean, opinion. no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, if I go, if I go into the, the kitchen right now and I'm like, I want all my nutrients, where's the one thing? Like nothing has all of my nutrients in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, apples are good for you, but they can't give you everything. Yeah. So sometimes there's different stuff and, and it's maybe not always about just nutrients. Sometimes ice cream is involved, you know, like there's other beneficial elements to um, different practices and different avenues. And I, we, we see this in so many different teachers. I mean, I have obviously Ramdas and Ramakrishna behind me and both of them were practiced, you know, although very devoted, uh, practice many different things in order to kind of recognize that non-dual nature of everything. But it's, yeah, it's, it's easy to forget. Um, it's impossible not to forget, you know, you, you, for you, it's just, you know, as humans, I think there is that, that underlying, um, fear of, you know, if I'm wrong, then I, I won't survive. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's right, some right. level of that. And that's a real yeah, absolutely. thing. Absolutely. That's a real, you know, brain, um, survival, me survival mechanism. Right. Right. Because if, you know, if we didn't belong, we wouldn't, we wouldn't survive. Mm -hmm. um, and that social network of being in um, the right way of being with those around us is mm -hmm. what kept us alive. So, right. And, you know, that kind of brings me to this. I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I said, you know, I didn't do a lot of prep for this, but there was one word that kept popping up to me. And I think it'll be obvious when I say it, but it was community. I just kept yeah. thinking community because I know, I mean, you have the, the Ram Dass satsangs and, you know, um, you have a lot of cool conversations with people I know, you know, on online and community just kept popping up. Yeah. And also, like we just talked about the, the fear of lack of, you know, when we don't, we're kicked out of the tribe because we said the wrong thing or whatever. That's what's happening in our head. And now we're not going to survive. Um, but the other side of community, which we talked about kind of with your teachers hinted at it, but can maybe we talk a little bit about that and like the importance of that? Because I feel like that was the one thing that just kept popping up when I thought about talking to you. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in a culture of isolation of independence of you know um separateness there's nothing wrong with that it's just one of the experiences right it's part of this human condition and predicament um and some people in the world are really hungry for food um and they have incredible community but in our culture we tend to be 
uh, more hungry for connection. And we're, and as we talked about, we're wired for connection. Um, and that can play in lots of different ways, but in this particular context, it, like with these, these communities, um, we forget who we are. We forget we're, the, we're these incredible divine multifaceted beings of potential and creativity um, that we're all mystics and we're all prophets and we're all can be um, agents for positive change, but we forget because we get caught in these things we've been taught since we were born about separateness and, um, and those deficiency models. And so community, this idea of you know, love, serve, remember, like remembering who we are. And I think that's part of what community does is it, if it's a good community, reflects your brilliance, reflects that you have gifts to give, reflects that you matter in this world. Um, and there's also this part of, you know, we all have these different perspectives. There's the great analogy of the blind men um, trying to describe an elephant and one's at the trunk saying it's like a tree and one's at the tail saying it's like a snake and one's at the ear saying it's like a fan and they're all right mm -hmm. and together we can see the whole um right. and i have a, a sense that that's one of the importance of satsang of community is we all bring a piece of it we all are here to help each other remember um and we're also uh grist for the mill right like mm -hmm. i'm gonna project things onto you you're gonna rub up against things in me and it's my, you're there to help me awaken to, to the places where I'm limiting myself as well so that I can overcome them. So there's like lots of parts of community that I think are so important and that we can just do so much more together than we can right. alone to make positive change in the world. Right. And I mean, like you said, it, and it's, it's so interesting because, you know, a good community can make you feel safe and that's huge because you actually can express who you are in a safe place. I mean, aside, you, you can't when you're not safe. It just doesn't happen, right? right? And, you know, this is why, you know, your your sleepovers as a kid were full of giggles and silliness because you were purely safe, right? That's That's where that comes from. And, but when you started saying about, but we will rub up against each other and we will project and we will, and, you know, and that's when you start to, at least first intellectually and then maybe emotionally and physically recognize that you might still be safe, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's you know, where good community is. Right. Yeah, you can yeah. rub up, you can get angry, you can have, and you're still okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's huge to me because even, even during these podcasts, you know, I'll be very locked in with yeah. the person and then I'll hear like a little voice that's like, you're going to run out of things to say or like they, um, they don't like that. And then I'll, I'll and you know, because the voice doesn't stop. You know what I mean? But right, right now, this is, this is my community, essentially like this, this is the thing I'm trying to, con I'm trying to connect with you. And typically I stay totally locked in. And then this little, the little concern, voice. like, yep. it's like, it's going well. So that means you're going to fall further, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, and it's going to hurt more and you won't survive. And, um, like you just said, yeah. right. And like you said that, but the practices might be the ones, the things that like you just said, you are okay. Like you're, you you're were, fundamentally, you are like, you are a blessing. You are love. Like you're fundamentally okay. Wow. And that's what we get for. We've, we've lost connection with it often. Right. And have because to remember, we have to remember when we are, we are, are our stories, you know, I am Sean and I am like, I am all the things I've experienced. And it, it's interesting too, because 
at one point, I feel like I realized that all of my, like even all my taste, you know, I love my taste. Like, I think this is funny. I think this is a good song. I think this is a good book and whatever. I love my taste. And then I, I thought, oh, wait, my the, taste isn't even really a thing. It's just experience. These are the things that I've experienced the most and I've had the most experience, positive experience with. And so they stuck with me. And then you start to see that everybody else is just experiences. And when they're just experiences, you're like, well, they're, they can't be just experiences, but that's all I'm seeing is their experiences like piled up until now. And like, so what is he behind that? What are they behind the experience? And I feel like that's what you're talking about when you say you're okay. Like, you, the personality might be hurt because, you know, if you told me right now that I have terrible taste in music, that would, (laughs) that's uh, clearly, that's the thing that I hold highly. And then if you said that to me, I'd be like, no, I don't. I, I get defensive, but I'm not that thing. There's like a step further than that. And I think that's what we're talking about when we say like, you're okay. You're fundamentally okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's all these things that happen that are uncomfortable and we need to work through, but that the, the, the essence of who we are, um, it's fundamentally okay. Right. Right. Oh, and so, it, you know, when we all forget it, we all forget dude, it. We we're like made <laughs> to forget it. I think you know what I mean? It's like a, it's like, that's how the system works. It's like it, it almost stays more alive, you know, because we keep, we keep pulling it out of the oven over and over again. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe. Like, that's but fresh. I also, I also have this curiosity mm-hmm. of like, you know, if, if from whenever their break happened, and maybe that is just the fall from grace, right? And it's mm-hmm. meant to be exactly how it is. But there's this like version or mythology in my head that somehow there was a break at some point. And if like our parents had reflected to us our okayness and brilliance and their parents had done it to them and their parents had done it to them, like if this line had con- continued, like would we forget as much if it, I mean- if it was just sort of woven into our experience? I mean, you'd have to, based on that explanation, you'd have to say, no, it wouldn't happen as much. But I, when you say that, I think, well, if that was the case, then I don't think we would even recognize society. We yeah. wouldn't even, like if we woke up tomorrow in that world, an <laughs> right. unbroken chain of, of your okayness, like yeah. truly and fundamentally okay, I don't know what, I don't think we'd have Walmart. Yeah. Like, well, I, I actually know. wonder about capitalism because I mm-hmm. recently had dinner with someone who grew up in uh, um, communist Soviet Union. And mm-hmm. she said one of the effects that from growing up there is that you just sort of live with a sense of paranoia that anybody would turn you in for anything at any mm-hmm. point in time. That was just part of what she grew up with in her psyche. And it made me think of like, oh, growing up in a capitalist society, like what what are the side effects in our psyches. And I have a sense it's this not okayness yeah. that that's part of the side effect of growing up in um, yeah. this sort of economy. You know, and it, that brings up for me, it also, I feel like, um, brings this sense of lack of resources. There's only so much. So yeah. that means that like, I have to get it, get mine, and yeah. you have to get yours. Like there's this inherent, like there's only there's only so much stock on the shelves. Right. So like, you know, I can't, everyone can't have it. So, I mean, we saw that at the beginning of the pandemic, like everybody just hoarded what they could because they knew it was a limited resource. So if okayness is a limited resource, then I'm not going to give you any, 
Yeah, we're going to elbow each other yeah. out for it. Yeah, yeah, I got a full cart full of, you know, okayness that I can't give to anybody <laughs> else, you know. Right. But then when we do that, um, mm. we're not, we don't actually feel okay, you mm. know, you know, because now, now I'm withholding. And when I withhold, there's no community. And when there's yeah. no community, there's that break. So it's, it's interesting. Cut off from our hearts too, because I, I do really that interweb, that interconnectedness, like there is a part of us that just knows that. Um, and so when we cut it off, I think there's a um, hardness of the heart that happens right. and it doesn't feel okay. No, no. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I mean, we've talked about the, just the general, the practices, but those are the things that slowly open that up Yeah, and which that's scary too, because when you're open, if you're slowly open, I'm not saying I'm fully open. I've got a long way to go. I've got a long way, but, uh, as I open, but if other people aren't open, then I don't, now I don't feel safe in this similar, some communities that I used to have some groups of friends or something where I'm like, I, it just all of a sudden, like, I feel like this is softened, but now I'm not in the safe space because I've, you know, there's a lot of hardness around, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, and that's maybe when you're drawn to other communities, maybe that's when you get pulled in different directions. And maybe that's where we take steps on what we call the spiritual path or whatever we want to say, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how, the separation like you said creates this hardness and then we value the hardness yeah like we put yeah. value on it and yeah it's, right and then that's now you're good for being like right. the tough boy the tough it's like, right it's like okay right now yeah. now what like so now it's like we're doing a math problem but we're trying to get the wrong answer like it's like totally it's like no that. it's it's yeah. it's not we're doing this we're like see it's right it's like no actually yeah we're, like, we're giving a yeah right we're giving hurts. a pluses for like these answers that hurt us so it's like but it doesn't feel normal because you know if you go out with a fully open heart into the world now if you are like one of these fully realized beings we're not talking we're talking about us yeah. right <laughs> you know? we're like, talking about us we're talking about yeah and that's in- where it gets like tricky right mm. because we have to actually be really honest so when I was thinking about community, community has this incredible ability to feed us, but like anything, it can also have a shadow side. Um, and the shadow side that is one of the most potent examples um, that I've heard was um, someone I was close to who grew up um, and his father was in the KKK. And um, we were t- doing some stuff with some um, refugees and someone else, he asked him like, how did you not end up like that? And his answer I always found really fascinating. And he's like, he's like, we all know, he's like, I think we all know that it's wrong. He's like, but to admit that it's wrong means that you are cut off from everybody and everything. You're totally ostracized, which is the thing we were talking about in the beginning, like the sense of survival. Um, And for some reason, whatever his karmas were, he was able to be like, I'm okay being ostracized. I'd rather do that. Um, And so there's that that thing of community of like, and you know, of like, okay, can have a a shadow side. And then it's like, we start to resonate. We're like, okay, I'm doing these spiritual practices. My heart is opening. I love these people, but they don't quite fit anymore. Right. And so it's like, how, then we move, we, we, how do we open to what feels more resonance without making people bad and wrong? 
right? Like now they're bad and wrong. It's like, right. you know, it's, it's, um, it's, and also recognizing our limitations of like, I'm not a fully enlightened person. There are some people that are feel bad to me. How do I have boundaries with them and keep an open heart in my humanness of navigating right. all of this? Right. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to not do it well. I'm going to mess right. it up. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm I mean, not, I don't have, I can't pretend I'm a fully enlightened being because I'm so not. <laughs> right. And what I love about that is it the whole time, this, the whole theme that's running through this is that we have two presumably contradictory things happening at once. You know what I mean? Like these, and we're trying to balance, like you've yeah. mentioned a couple of times, like finding that balance. And it's, it's just basically impossible to live there. Like as people driving through traffic and like, going to the grocery store and stuff. Um, but we can, with practice, like you've said, kind of find that spot. But uh, it's it's so interesting to kind of just start to unravel it, to witness it. I mean, like Ramdas would say, you know, be a loving awareness. And I, I one of my podcasts was with Sita Ramdas, and he explained it to me as curiosity, just be curious, which really worked for me because I was like, loving awareness is too hard. What is that? Like, how do you do that? And he was like, just be curious. curious. And that really worked for me in, in those moments of like, like, cause even as you were explaining that, I was like, oh, I just did kind of put the hard hearted people in the bad spot. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about them as people with compassion. And I was like, well, I'm open. They're not. And it's like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. We all do this. Now I'm picturing yeah. my friends and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, that's not what I meant. But you did say something earlier, which I think is um, really brilliant about the, like, recognizing the experience, like, we're all experiences. Mm. And I actually use that sometimes to be like, when I, especially if I'm really frustrated with someone, mm. like, if I had had their experiences, I would probably be doing the exact thing that they're doing right now. I just had different experiences. Yep. And it can sort of soften me, yeah. um, especially if I get really in my heels dug in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, just I mean, that, that, that awareness. And I often, I like the curiosity thing of Sita Ramdas. Um, and sometimes it's like when, when I'm in my, whatever thing it is that, that particular day, um, I'll invite in like the energy of compassion or the energy of forgiveness or the energy of love. Like I can't, there's some people that I find really hard to be in forgiveness around. So I have to invite something bigger than me in. You're like, okay, I this 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 anger is actually hurting me as much as them. Um, I don't know how to do this. Like forgiveness, come in and, and teach me. Wow. I yeah. really like that actually, because and you think about it, that's what these deities and religious symbols and are. You know what I mean? Like when I say when you and I've just never heard it so plain like with mm. such just just the word like cut it down to its bare like the meat on the bone right because we see you know whether it's jesus or mary compassion or like all these ideas yeah, or ramdas Yin, tara Ramda, tara yes. right right we can bring kali and we got all these different versions of like you know and it's interesting because i i want the first time i as i started to kind of be curious about myself and how I connected with everything. Um, one of the first places I went was a Hindu temple. I had no idea what I was 
get myself into. It was actually funny because I just like drove around the parking lot a couple of times because I was too scared to like, I was just by myself and I'm just, and this lady's like, stop my car. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, I just am curious. And do you have a bookstore or like anything? She's like, why are you here? And I was like, I'm just curious. And then she was like, okay, it's just a white guy driving around the parking lot. We're a little bit scared. She's like, take, she's like, park your car, go in that door, take your shoes off, go inside. And I was like, well, I was just park your car, take your, go in that door, park. And she told me this, right. And I sat there through this um, whole thing and I had no idea what I was doing. And then immediately after uh, an older man came up to me and he was just like, do you want a tour? And I said, yeah, sure. And he's like, just so you know, don't be intimidated by all of the deities. He's like, they're just representations of you. They're just mm. different representations of you. And I was like, what? Mm. And so like, and but a lot of times it's, it's hard because you start thinking about, you know, like we talk Hanuman or something just as like a bhakti and devotion and that, and that we, but you start thinking of like literally, and I'm just like, well, I, and or historically speaking, like any of even the Bible, if we start looking at it historically, we start being like, well, I can't fully believe that that was a thing. But what you just said kind of cuts through a lot of that. It's just like, I just invite the compassion and I invite the forgiveness in. And that's what these symbols are too. They, and they work just yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, I, we both have them behind us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> they, they work, but I, I love that sometimes when your heels are dug in, just go right for the, the yeah. source of it. Invite yeah. that feeling in. I think that's really good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. To me, again, I'm going to go back to this both and um, of, yeah, because I've heard someone long, long time ago said, you know, they're just personifications of an energy. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can get my head around that when I was, and then there's also, and so that's a one piece. And then there's this other piece of like, beyond my rational mind, I want to have symbols up. Like they say, the subconscious speaks in symbols. So I want to have symbols up that speak to that part of my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I think some, you know, that's what these things often will do is they'll speak to that part of us. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'd like that too, because it's just yeah. like, there's a lot running. There's a lot of programs running that we don't have access to. It's like, and it's almost as if like the symbolism is our, is like the IT department. We're like, can you deal with this? Totally, part? I, I love that. I can't do <laughs> I love it. That. And then, you know, it's I don't know funny. what you're doing in that black box, right. but do it. Like, Thank you. you. It? And then that it's funny because a lot of these symbols will say, well, did you turn it off and turn it back on? <laughs> you know? It's like, just sit in stillness for a second, try that and then come back to me. And oftentimes that is what works. And I, I, I yeah, I really like, I like that, uh, that, that they speak to the, like the unconscious parts of you. That's very cool. Um, so I usually, I, again, I didn't even look, I told you I wasn't going to look at my Love notes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do always um, throw out two questions near the end and these can turn into more conversations. They're not fast track things, whatever we want. But um, the first thing is uh, I started the podcast because I like to share things that I find valuable to me, you know, ideas, people that I think are doing good work or just stuff that you know, I think is good. Um, so, and that can be music, that can be books, that can be practices, whatever. So if you were to suggest something and it can be, like I said, anything from a song to a practice, anything that's just like, Hey, this worked for me. I would love to share it with others. What would it be? 
Um, there's so many. Mm. You can make a list. I don't mind. Yeah, right. I took the day off. <laughs> Great. We'll just go on. So uh, share something that make a difference in my life that might make a difference they, to other people. Right, right. Um, I think the thing that makes the different, the biggest difference in my life is to stop fighting myself. Um, this sense of compassion. So I know when I'm like, oh, I want this to be different. Let me do X, Y, Z, right? Um, like there, especially those things that are sticky in us. Um, I don't want to be angry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, let me fight my anger and it creates a right. tension. Right. And then that, and then the tension just lives and the anger doesn't actually change. Um, that's the inviting in, the inviting in of like, like, oh, sweetheart, like, I see there's something going on and I see you're angry. Um, let's sit together and, and just be, you know, that sort of inviting and in compassion, invi- inviting in whatever is alive to just be there without the, like, it must go away, which is the aversion or, or it's wonderful and must come, but just the, like, here we are. Um, I think that is the only time anything in my life has actually ever shifted wow. is when I've just been like, here it is. I guess mm-hmm. we're going to live with this. You know, and to throw in a bonus thing that you, you just gave us without directly giving us is also talk to yourself. <laughs> like what you just said, where you, I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but like something and just called yourself sweetie or sweetheart yeah. or whatever, do that. Yeah. Like that's so valuable because it, it creates that ability, like you said, to be there with the thing. You know, um, sometimes I'll do that and I'll like pat myself on the thigh and be like, you all right, man? You're good boy. Like you're good. <laughs> yeah. And then I usually it's like, yeah, I'm okay. But that's like that little bit of that just open that little crack there for me to, like you said, invite in that compassion. Yeah. It's a deep self. I mean, it's, it comes as deep self-compassion, but sometimes we get it from, you know, so many people have talked about Maharaji and feeling that sense of incredible love. And like, however we can invite that into our worlds, into our psyches, um, right. whether it's from ourself or Trudy Goodman has this wonderful meditation. I think I've adapted it a little bit, so I'm not sure if this is exactly it, but where she has you sit down and just surround yourself with a council of people that love you. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's this like second step of where you actually let it in. Um, and oh. it's, you know, it's just that, that um, I, we all have these incredible super egos and like inner bullies and internalized for lack of a better word dominator culture that's just beating us up and it's it's not um it's not helpful for us or for others and so to to have that and so that's sort of like my personal answer i think think that's great universal answer is just to make some time like take five even if you have five i know like busy mothers they have no time Mm -hmm. um but if you have five minutes to just sit with yourself to sit with this sense of yourself beyond your personality um that that's the discipline piece right of, mm-hmm. even if it's 5 minutes right yeah and i have to make a comment about uh cuz i've i've never heard the term dominator culture um, yeah um which is a powerful like that immediately i was like oh yeah that is what we are in and but to speak back to that for a second when you said that i thought oh wait that yeah it makes just to kind of reiterate your point whatever culture we live in lives in us too 
Yeah. Like, I think that's so easy to forget that it's like, everything's bad out there, but some of that is ingrained in your, yeah. in yourself. So like, I just, I picture it cause you know, sometimes I'll have a podcast like this where it's very open. It's just like mm -hmm. anything goes vulnerable. Like, let's just talk. And like, I'll tell you that, you know, whatever it is, like how insecure I am about this or, but, and then I'll, and I'll, but I'll be here for it. Most like, I'll feel good here with you. Right. Totally in it. I feel good. I feel safe. This is awesome. This is why I did it. Once we hang up and I walk, I was like, I'm going to take a walk. I'll be like, what did you do? What is your vulnerability say? hangover? Right. Like your parents <laughs> are going to listen and everybody's going to think this and whatever. And then it gets real loud. You know, the volume cranks up. And that's when you said dominator culture and this like this powerhouse of, of feelings that like have to kind of just be a barrage, you know, through your psyche. Uh, it's so interesting to, because once you see that it's out there and it's kind of been uploaded into yeah. you, yeah. it's, it takes a little bit of that off of you. Like, Oh, of course. And then you can yeah. talk to yourself again. And, yeah. and that's when the time, and even it ties into the time making, the, making that little time to, yeah. to respond to yourself. Yeah. You know, it's with like the opposite of the inner bully or exactly. the inner whatever. Yeah. Right. I, I actually, it's, and you'll appreciate this, I think, because of uh, your journey, like through the Ramdas and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I was, I did a different podcast today and both of them were like, these were top notch podcasts because I was very vulnerable and I walked outside after and immediately I felt that like, what did you do? What are you doing? Like, like that was the voice. And I almost had to answer it with a literal thing where I was like, what am I doing? I'm walking right now. Right now I'm walking. And like, I had a peach, I was eating a peach. I was like, right now I'm eating a peach. Like, cause the voice was loud. He wanted me to say you, all the bad things, all the bad things. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I was like, but even when you hear the bad things, sometimes if you could like, like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing with your life? Well, now I'm sitting. Yeah. You know, right here, right now, right now, yeah. right now. That's what I'm doing. And maybe that's all know all of it. I don't need to right. know. I need to know. Right. And go on. But yeah, a couple of things came up when you talk about, when you say all, some of that. And one is, um, you know, I do get to have these fun conversations with people who have been really dedicated to practice for a really long time and have incredible wisdom to share. And it's one of my favorite things I get to do in life. Um, and one of the things that like I have this belief around them is that one of the reasons they're so loved is that they are so vulnerable. Ramdas was really vulnerable right. about his little schmooze, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of these these teachers, they share about their deep hard parts, and it's why we love them right. because it help we can relate. Right. Um, and I also have this sense that all of them, you know, still have all their neuroses, what Ramdas would say, um, but they also have such compassion. And that's what makes it different. And I oh, think that's what we're learning, right? Is right. to have that compassion. Right. Um, yeah. And I'd love to speak a little bit more about the dominator culture thing, if you're interested. Yeah, go for it. So um, it, I had learned that term, I don't know, six, seven years ago um, through this thing called reevaluation co-counseling. And it was, it was eye-opening because, you know, I'd heard patriarchy forever, but there's this thing about patriarchy that always lands wrong because it feels like there's we're pitting men against women. Mm -hmm. And and like we've all been damaged in different ways by this dominator culture. And it's the culture that tells us some people are better than others, whether it's through 
class or ability or race or gender or sexuality um, and it, and it, or nationality and it keeps it separate, right? And that's when Ram Dass, I think he's talking about roles and talking about separateness. It's like these identities of like, I'm this and this and this. It's like, I'm so much more than that. And I have these experiences from these different perspectives. Um, and part of our healing is recognizing while we have these differences, um, nobody's better than anybody else. I love Sharon says, we all get to play. We're all connected to each other somehow. And I think some of our unraveling of these tightnesses in ourselves is, is, is starting to own like where I have unconsciously made someone better or worse, but whether mm -hmm. it's through class right. or anything else. Um, mm -hmm. And we, can, we use so many things to make people better or worse. Right. And so that's, to me, dominator culture, um, because when we're split amongst ourselves, then it's easier to con to be controlled in various ways, right? Right. And so this idea of like that term just um, resonated so much more with me with that. We're all been influenced by that kind of culture. Right. I mean, and there's so many things that it mirrors about what we've said about, you know, individual you know, journey, like the separateness, the separating the head and the heart and like, you know, the body and the self, yeah. all these things, like, um, it's just mirrors the same thing. So, and then, like you said, unfortunately, you know, we, we separate and then rank and even more unfortunate is that, you know, some people may realize this and then see, oh, it's a tool in order to um, control and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, I, I, and it, it, you almost think like, what can you do? Like what we live in here, like what, what can you do? I hope, and maybe you have a better viewpoint on this. I hope that like connecting the th things that are separated internally will then kind of help ripple out. Like if the culture is inside of us, that means that we are inside the culture and we can impact it by working on ourselves and then uh, being better maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like, I mean, better gets tricky real quick. Yeah, right? right. I know. As I said it, I was like, that word like, isn't perfect. But I understand we're like, yes, like that we, um, I certainly don't have the answers to all of this, Right. but the, the idea that, um, we begin to recognize where we have these beliefs, which is what you were saying. Um, and where we subtly do this. And then we start to take counter action be like actually i don't want to do that but mm -hmm. to do it in a way that has a lot of self-compassion right. and um and allows us to just have the the experience of gosh we all learned this stuff mm -hmm. none of us came into this world naturally ranking right. necessarily right. i don't know maybe we did but i don't think so yeah, i think there's I a lot so. of it that's learned mm -hmm. um and so that's that oneness piece right of like we are all one we can't fake it. We can't, oh right. yeah, it was just, let's bypass and all think we're one. Like it actually takes what's keeping me from feeling a oneness with you. And some of it's my stuff. Right. And so I have to work through that. That's the grist for the mill part. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's in, in a real sense, it's our stuff. Yeah. You know, what's yours is mine. Like, yeah. and like we said earlier, the experiences, if I had your, if I had your genetics, your parents were born in the same place watched all the same things you did, I would be doing that. So weirdly, I'm lucky enough to have recognized that. So now, unfortunately, maybe it feels unfortunate, but I 
that compassion has to come from from you that sees that you know and then hopefully it can kind of grow over time and uh connect more of it and i think you're right i don't think we're born that way because i think there's uh i know there's i wish i had watched it more recently but there's this little video that's been around the internet a billion times but it has like two kids and they're asked what their biggest differences are and they're and they're always like visually starkly different like it'll be like an indian girl and a white girl or a you know, not all racial, but like short and tall, like all these like very where as adults, we watch and we say, we, that's the first thing we see. And then the kids are like, well, I like hot dogs and he does not or like something like that. And it's like, oh, and they don't even like, they're like thinking, they're like, uh, I think it's this. And it's like, wow. Like, yeah, we definitely are taught a lot by our culture and by our experiences, but not all of it's true. I love the, um, what you said earlier reminded me of the Ram Dass quote of, um, you know, the, the thing, the best thing I can do for another is to work on myself, mm-hmm. right? you know, and that, that, and, and what we're like to become an environment where others, when they are ready to come up for air can, but we have to be able to do that, you know, have others do it for us, be able to do it for ourselves. Right. Right. As well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, I have one more question because okay. I had my last two and we, okay. we went on that one for a while, which is fun. I'm glad we did. Um, but so the last question is based on the story of Peter Pan In Peter Pan, the lost boys are in Neverland and they get a little pixie dust and then they think of a happy thought, which elevates them, something that lifts them up. Right. What would your Neverland happy thought be? Oh, my gosh for me, it is almost always connected to nature, like to it's some being in the water with a sunset or in the woods with a sunrise or a moonrise or um, this last weekend, I went was lucky enough in the southeast, we have these things called synchronous fireflies. Um, They mostly flash at the same time they're here and in Southeast Asia. And so often my like happy thought is just those, this, the incredible beauty of this world we live in that I take for granted all of the time. Right. Right. Happy that, thoughts. That's perfect. I was, I took a walk today and was thinking, thinking, thinking. And then I paused and heard how like the trees were just so loud with the wind. It was just like, I was like, Oh no, I almost missed all of that based on just my internal stuff. And it's just always there. Yeah. It can you get know? me into the present as quick, as quickly as my, maybe even more quickly than my breath sometimes. Right. You know? Yeah. Nature is, I mean, it's been a, a number of people's answer to that question. Is so it? You're, you're in a good space okay. with some good that's people true. because uh, that's been at least a few people, something yeah. to do with nature. And it's funny you say it brings you into the present because just like, you know, it can be the the wind through the trees really, or like the birds chirping but also you see a snake on the road, it's going to bring you into like, <laughs> just true. being out there in the, yeah. in the nature yeah. you have, you, you know, being separate kind of starts to slip away a little easier, I think, than when and, we're yeah. blocked off. I love that there's so many, and it's everywhere, right? Like nature's in New York city. There's mm. peregrine falcons and dandelions in the sidewalk. Right. So right. it's everywhere. Right. And but I still- also, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just, I mean, I was going to say, and there's still human people walking around and they're also part of that. So, yeah, there's this thought of like, you know, these bodies really haven't evolved a ton in 
you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that these bodies are, I forget, it depends on who you talk to, but you know, 50, a thousand years or more um, old. And, uh, and our culture certainly is a lot different. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this like sense of soothing, I think that, and you know, it's also, if you grew up in a city, that those woods can be really scary. I totally right. understand that too. I grew up in, in the rural areas. And so it's mm-hmm. this place where my body just goes. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Watch and it's stars it, or a fire or something. Right. Like that. Oh. Right. And it's, and we won't go off on a huge tangent on it, <laughs> but what that just made me think of is like, we evolved so much like slower than the, the cities that we've built, but now with how quickly technology is evolving, we can't keep up at all. So we better find something something to still us and something to bring us a little bit of presence because the technology and our, how it's going to affect our more basic physical bodies. I don't think we can possibly keep up. Yeah. I want to say one last thing on this because I thought this was because, you know, when this idea of technology and where we are right now, for some people, Mm -hmm. it's really exciting for other people. It's really scary. Um, It's probably a little bit of both. And Mm -hmm. I went, there's a, um, someone recently, was saying he was giving a talk on the next five years mm-hmm. and uh everyone keeps asking him like showing up like oh he's going to tell us what's going to happen in the next five years and he's like when my daughter asks me what we're going to do this weekend it's not predetermined we make a plan and then we do it and this idea that um we can all um vision something and that vision is part of determining what's going to happen and so that's our self-responsibility in it when that stuff comes up. And I know I can get really nervous about what the possibilities are. And my m- mind goes down some dark holes and I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, I have power in this too. Like right. what's the vision I want to see? And then, you know, work for that. Um, oh. So, you know, cause it's very easy to get into like, I have no control over any of this, mm-hmm. but um, we get to vision the future together. Wow. That is very potent like that you know it's the weekend thing it's not planned i mean that really shows that like because i think a lot of times we'll just take us out of it we'll say well it's happening we're not involved it's like oh wait like you just said it's so good i know i'm repeating a lot of what you're saying but it's It's like the resonance is there (laughs) it's great yeah i'm just gonna be the mirror and hopefully the (laughs) the listener can just have it twice just double double it up so um i feel really good about this is there anything else you'd like to say or share are you feeling good just thank you so much this is really fun i love having conversations and you're great having conversations with so yeah this was this is i was luckily right when i said i didn't need to worry about this one (laughs) so we were were all good great well thank you again and uh We'll talk again sometime. Okay. Sounds good. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember you are always everything. Bye.